1: It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Hands Colin Davis, wide open. Davis, still going, and he's in for the touchdown.
0: He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And you know that's <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh! Listen,
3: thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And we are doing 2021 Jets offseason reviews Because yeah, there are going to be a couple of moves made here and there But for the most part, the bulk of the roster has been set With free agency and the 2021 NFL Draft So, to dissect everything that the Jets have been up to this offseason Bring back our friend who is the host of the film room with Brett Coleman that's because his name is Brett Coleman so it would be weird if the channel was the film room with somebody other than Brett Coleman and Brett Coleman was hosting it It would be one of those weird Jedi mind tricks he has 300,000 YouTube subscribers for a reason because his videos are the perfect blend of excellent production great storytelling and fantastic football knowledge so I'm really glad that Brett was able to come back on the show and break down the Jets 2021 offseason Brett thanks so much for coming back on brother
2: Thank you for having me, glad to be here
3: So Brett, let's start with the hiring of Robert Sala Because the last time you came on the show We only talked about the 2021 draft As it was upcoming We'll talk about that later Because now we know exactly what the Jets did But the Jets hired Robert Sala And to me, the interesting part of this was Sala wasn't a name that was connected to the Jets Before the search You heard a bunch of different names Oh, Joe Douglas knows this guy Somebody else in the front office knows that guy Ownership knows this guy Sala wasn't a name that you heard about and then they brought him in apparently they were very impressed with him Joe Douglas and Robert Sala had never met and I guess they clicked and Robert Sala ends up becoming the new head coach of the New York Jets for starters what do you think of how the process played out and then also what did you think of the ultimate decision to bring in Sala as the new coach of the Jets
2: First of all, I think the, the coaching staff that the Jets have built with Sala and Floor and Jeff Ulbrick and, and all their assistants that they brought in, um, it's, it's been an incredible turnaround in terms of you look at the staff that's in charge now versus the staff that was in charge before. And I, I personally feel like when Joe and Rob met, and he could see his Robert Sala's infectious personality and just the leadership traits that jump off, uh, you know, the page with him. Uh, I think it's hard to turn that down because when you go from a coach like Adam Gase, who the locker room, let's be real, wasn't super supportive of, I think Joe Douglas's main thing he was looking for was leadership the ability to change a culture, kind of a, a more CEO type of coach than a play caller, game planner type of coach. Not that you know Robert Sala wasn't a great defensive coordinator and game plan and, and everything like that, but what he really wanted was bring in a CEO like a John Harbaugh type that can change the attitude and outlook of the locker room and command respect and get people to buy in and then trust that he's going to hire good coordinators to take care of everything else, which he did with LaFleur and Ulbrich. So I, I think once they met, it was pretty much a done deal right there because anybody who ever talks to Robert Sala in person can tell you just how enjoyable and experience it is and how, I mean, you talk to the guy for 10 minutes, you want to run through a wall for him. Like he's, he's that kind of guy. I think it was a slam dunk hire. And I think he made slam dunk hires a coordinator underneath him. I, I am I'm super excited about this Jets staff, and I think this team is going to get a lot better, a lot quicker than maybe people think.
3: I like what you said about Sala being the CEO rather than the glorified coordinator, because that's something that the Jets have sorely lacked. And when you hear Robert Sala talk, he really comes across that way. I was watching an interview that he did before he was hired by the Jets. This was from last year. And he was talking about how he doesn't need a coaching staff filled with Robert Salas because he knows what he can do well, what he needs on his staff, people that can help compliment him, that can bring out the best in him overall and make him a better coach because they bring things to the table that he can't do. And it seems like he's carried that philosophy over, at least in the early going, to the OTAs and to rookie camp and all of that. So that's encouraging, right?
2: Yeah, and I again I think the the mix of their coaching staff between rah-rah leaders and then just hard tape grinders that are going to come up with a good game plan and notice things that other coaches might not, and you know, be able to install little wrinkles on a week-to-week basis and you know have a good feel for play calling, like the, the mix between those kind of coaches and the guys that again can can get the best out of people uh in terms of motivation, in terms of you know, making everybody buy into the program like they have—they have the the best of both worlds throughout this staff. Um, and again, I I I think the Jets are in better hands now than they've been since I don't know two thousand nine two thousand ten. Like in the early years of of Rex, where it was really really working well, and then you know obviously things kind of fell apart late. But like this this to me looks like an actual good jets organization a well-run organization not just from top but to the bottom as well like i i have no complaints about everything that they've done in the last two off seasons and it kind of feels like the adults are finally in charge Hmm. which is a refreshing change of pace
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
3: We'll talk about the specific moves in a bit, but first, since you brought up Salah and how it seems like the adults are in charge, one of those adults who's at the top of the food chain is Joe Douglas, and it sounds like you're pretty bullish on him, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's had back-to-back amazing drafts you know I highlighted uh the Jets draft last offseason as one of my favorites you know when they came away with Makai and Mims and all of them and uh you know the Jets draft this year was also one of my favorites you know you get Zach Wilson at the top which it, I, I believe them by the way when they said that we took a quarterback for the more for the financial reasons than them just not liking Sam I truly believe they like Sam but he was what three years into his deal. They had two cheap years left. They felt like it was going to take a little bit longer to get where they wanted to be, so they wanted to get a guy who was also very talented that was going to have, you know, financial flexibility for a longer period of time. So I I completely understand that argument and I agree with it. You know, the Elijah Vera Tucker pick I really like. The Elijah Moore pick in round two was a steal. You know, you're getting guys like Michael Carter in round four. You know, Sherwood and Dean, I think, are very Jeff Ulbrich-style linebackers. At least, I'm assuming they're going to play linebacker. Um, you know, the Jonathan Marshall pick in round six, like, he's a freak of nature. Like, uh, even, you know, to the, some of the UDFAs that Joe brought in, like, Kenny Aboa, absolutely should have been drafted. Uh, Hamilcar Rashid should have been drafted. Like, they, they have just brought in an abundance of talent over the last two years not just in free agency but in the draft as well um and and like for me this roster's ready like they're good like they're this is a complete football team they have made a lot of really good draft picks and they've supplemented those with some very good uh, free agency signings with guys like davis and loss and all like the roster's there the roster's ready the only reason why this team might not win the division is because it's a first-year head coach and a first-year quarterback. But other than that, like there's there's really not a whole lot wrong with this roster. And I feel like talent for talent, they match up with every other great NFL team uh, in that standpoint.
3: We'll get back to the draft that they just had and your thoughts on their picks in a little bit. But first, let's talk free agency. They went out and they added some pieces on offense. Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, most notably. Didn't do a ton on the offensive line. That would come later, and we'll address that when we get to the draft. Defensive side of the ball, they made some moves too. LaMarcus Joyner comes in, Sheldon Rankins. The big one, of course, Carl Lawson to help the pass rush. What you think of the Jets this free agency period? Last year, they didn't really spend much. This year, they spent a little bit more. They didn't go crazy, but they did bring in some big-ticket items. What would you think?
2: You know, they they had money to burn, but they didn't waste it. You know, like, just because they had a lot of cap space, they weren't throwing out bad contracts just because they had money. You know, the, the Lawson deal, I thought, was fantastic because they really needed an edge rusher, but... I think that they looked at this edge class and they felt like, Hey, we obviously got to spend our top pick on quarterback. We want to, you know, bolster the offensive line to build around him. We feel like we're going to miss out on, you know, the the top edge rusher run in the middle to back half of the first round, which they did because guys like Peyton Turner and Tryon and and um, you know, Jalen Phillips all went. So they're like, let's, let's go get an edge in free agency so that we don't have to worry about missing out on those guys. So they got Carl Lawson, who's a phenomenal player. Uh, In terms of pressure rate, he's right up there with some of the top rushers in the league. And now that I feel like you know he's going to be working next to Quinnen and John Franklin Myers, which is arguably the most dynamic interior rush duo in the league. Oh, and by the way, they have Fadakasi, who's an elite nose tackle. You got Sheldon Rankins, who is going to be a rotational. I mean, I guess you can play him also like a little bit as like a nose shade out to a three technique. I don't know how many, like what the snap distribution is going to be like between those four guys, but they're all amazing. So the interior rush is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think that you, you bring in Corey Davis, who is going to give like a veteran presence for Zach Wilson. Uh, and, and he's just kind of a different kind of receiver than what they have. Like, um, when you listen to Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, they also they always say that you want to build a receiving core as like a basketball team. You get somebody, you get four or five different guys with different skill sets, so you have a little bit of everything. So you got Denzel Mims, who's like that prototypical go up and get it jump ball receiver down the boundary. You got Jamison Crowder, who's a great slot. Corey Davis is a really good possession receiver. Uh, Keelan Cole's a little bit more in that mold, but I think he's got a little bit more deep juice than Corey Davis. And you got Elijah Moore. Who can play that slot role? He can be the jet motion guy. Like you can give him carries out on the boundary. He can work as a deep threat. Like he's he's going to be like the X factor. You know, we are designing touches solely for this guy. But you know, they have a whole bunch of receivers that have different skill sets. And then uh, you know, who are the other uh, uh, free agents that they brought in the last couple of years? You know, George Fant I think was a value uh, right tackle pickup that, that Joe brought in again, just the ability to identify what he was not going to be able to get in the draft and fill those holes in free agency so that he didn't have to worry about it and reach. That I think has been one of the strengths of Joe Douglas is like he knows where the strengths are in a draft class, where the strengths are in a free agency class and how to kind of navigate both of those things simultaneously to fill in holes from both ways.
3: As we move from free agency to the draft, let's talk about the number two overall pick first. And the number two overall pick, of course, was Zach Wilson, the quarterback at a BYU. Before the draft, you said on the show, Brett, that you would pick Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. Has your mind changed at all? And what do you think overall about that pick? Do you think that it's going to work out for the Jets? Are you bullish on Zach Wilson?
2: I mean, full disclosure, I had Zach Wilson as my QB4 but that doesn't mean that I didn't like him. You know, I also said that basically any of those number two through number four guys could be justifiable at the second overall pick after Trevor Lawrence went number one, because obviously Trevor was QB one, but just because I had Zach Wilson as QB four doesn't mean that I don't think he can be successful. That's just what my grades were. I, I had Justin Fields as QB two, Trey Lance as QB three, Zach Wilson as QB four, but they were all so close together that it kind of didn't matter. And really what it's about is situation. You know, where are these guys going to go situation-wise? And in the end, when you have somebody like Zach Wilson going to a situation like the Jets, where, you know, you have, uh, you know, at, at minimum a 60% of a great offensive line in front of him, we'll see what happens with like, you know, Van Rotten and, and Fant. And, uh, you know, I know they like Chumadoga. I I'm assuming he's going to be, pushing for starting job but i don't think he'll get it but you know at least 60 percent of a good offensive line in front of wilson the receiving core that i mentioned earlier is diverse and very talented you got a running back of michael carter that i really like a lot you have an oc and michael LaFleur that i really like a lot the situation is great and so whether i ranked him as qb2 or qb4 doesn't matter because now he's in the league and now now it's about where he's at you know who's he? Who's he throwing to? Who's blocking for him? Who's calling the plays? And those are the things that I'm really excited about. So I do think that Zach Wilson can and will be successful. Um, and to be honest, I had four quarterbacks graded this year higher than my QB2 last year. Like that's the kind of quarterback class it was. We are really splitting hairs here, and I don't necessarily think it matters who was ranked where.
3: That was something that John Lynch alluded to when he spoke to the media. He talked about how much he loved all these quarterbacks. And he implied that they had had some talks with the Jets about maybe trying to get the second pick and getting Wilson. But obviously, they really liked Trey Lance, too. And there was buzz that they liked Mac Jones. We all know about Justin Fields. So this was an unusually deep quarterback class at the top, and when you get a quarterback that high, you want to make sure that he's protected You absolutely do not want to repeat the Sam Darnold mistake And so the Jets went out and traded up from number 23 to number 14 They gave up two third-rounders, got back a fourth So really it was a third-rounder and a swap of a late third for a late fourth In order to go from 23 to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard-slash-tackle out of USC Most people don't seem to have a problem with the pick of Vera Tucker at 14. Everybody recognizes that he's an excellent prospect. The question has become, did the Jets overpay? A lot of the analytics community seems to think so. A lot of Jets fans have pushed back on that. Me personally... I don't think it's that big of a deal, even if they overpaid a little bit on the draft value chart. So what? They got the player they really wanted at a position they desperately needed. That's going to be very important for their young quarterback, as I said before. Where do you fall on this issue, Brett?
2: You know, and and here's the thing. Everybody, I, I've been looking at these analytics arguments and everything like that, and I, I value analytics. But I also value the fact that not all guards are the same, and you have to take into account scheme fit. You have to take into account the rarity of skill set. And it's one thing to say, like, you know, taking a guard in the top 15 is a bad idea, let alone trading up for one. Well, what if it's the only guard? In the entire draft that fits what you want to do on offense, like Elijah very Tucker has a very rare skill set, especially when it comes to the outside zone run game that they want to watch uh, that they want to run. And we know they want to run it because, you know, they picked up Tevin Coleman, they drafted Michael Carter, like that's basically them saying, we want to be an outside zone run team. Let alone the fact that Zach Wilson was in an outside zone run scheme uh, with a whole bunch of bootlegs at BYU, and like that's where he's comfortable as well. Like they they are broadcasting this is the offense we want to run. Well, how many guards in this draft class were a perfect fit for that kind of system? I would argue maybe two, maybe. And when you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, he's extremely quick. Like he can reach block a five technique or a no shade without needing any help because he's that kind of quick, which is extremely important in this system. You know, you look at his ability to, uh, to lock onto a second level defender and track and actually engage without whiffing in space. Like you need to be a great athlete to be able to do that. And again, these guards have to be able to do that in this system or the run game just flat out doesn't work. So it's one thing, it, it, or it's easy to say, I, I should say. It is easy to say, don't take a guard high. Don't trade up for a guard. But you have to factor in who that guard is and the kind of offense you're wanting to run. Like Wyatt Davis from Ohio State would not be the same caliber of player in this system as he would be in like a predominantly gap scheme or a predominantly uh, you know, inside zone scheme because the movement skills are different. So I don't care that they spent, you know, a, a third round pick and a, a three and four swap to get up there because Elijah Vera Tucker is a rare athlete that fits what they need out of a guard. And there was maybe two of those in this class. They had to get one of them. They flat out had to. And so you put him next to Mikai Beckton. you put him next to Elijah Vera, uh, you put him uh, in between uh, Beckton and, and Connor McGovern. You're running outside zone lead to the left with Michael Carter. You're popping off huge runs, which is opening up the bootleg game for Zach Wilson to roll out and you know hit Corey Davis deep. You've got Elijah Moore going on the jet motion across the other way, just absolutely scaring the shit out of linebackers. It, like, that's how this offense is going to function. You need guys that can execute these jobs. So I don't care what they spent. I really don't care. He's a great player. He's a perfect fit. It was a good pick, period.
3: And after Elijah Vera Tucker, the Jets picked again at number 34, a pick that ended up being somebody that they might have drafted at number 23 if they had stayed there. In fact, all indicators are that that's who they'd have gotten, and it's Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss. This is a player that I liked when I watched his tape before the draft. After the draft, when I really dug in on his tape, I was blown away and couldn't believe how good he was at Ole Miss and thought the Jets got an enormous steal. What do you think about this move?
2: I mean, you know, I've, I've alluded to it a couple times already, but he is going to be an X factor, not just in the pass game, but in the run game. You look at um, the system that Lafleur comes from, you know, being influenced by, obviously, his brother over in Green Bay and, you know, Kyle in San Francisco, and we see McVay do it down in L.A. Like the jet motion component of this zone West Coast offense is so critically important because it really screws with run fits. You're able to kind of drag away a defender that normally would be looking to like fill a backside cutback lane, or you know maybe you get a linebacker to hesitate just a little bit uh, before he gets over the top, which good luck getting over the top of Elijah Vera Tucker. If you take one false step anyway, like it, 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 this, this, this component to the run game. And we see Robert Woods do it. We see Debo Samuel do it. Um, Aaron Jones has done uh, the jet sweep uh, role in Green Bay when they had like Jamal taking carries. Like it is it is a critical element. And Elijah Moore is going to be exceptionally dangerous at it, let alone the fact that he's also just a really good receiver. But I think um, his impact on the run game and his impact on screwing with run fits with just the threat of him getting the ball is a big reason why they took him. There were two guys that I kind of pegged for that role that would make sense, and it was Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore. They ended up going with Elijah. I absolutely loved the pick. I thought he was going to be a first-rounder, to be honest. I, I thought he was going to go in the top 25. So the fact that they got him early in round two was a steal. And, again, you can you already know the offense they're going to run because you look at who they drafted, and they all fit that offense.
3: That's going to wrap up part one of my discussion with Brett Coleman of the Film Room on his thoughts regarding the Jets' 2021 offseason. We're going to delve much more into the draft and some of the other big picture issues on part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to Brett's channel on YouTube, the Film Room, and follow him on Twitter at Brett Coleman. That's B-R-E-T-T-K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N. And... Make sure you're subscribed to our channel on YouTube if you haven't already. Brand new Kayla Pace video commentary, Pace's Playbook, where she breaks down her favorite matchups that the Jets are going to be engaged in in the 2021 season, some of the games that she thinks are going to be keys to the 2021 season. Luke Grant has some film breakdowns up there of Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, and much more. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do that and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. Brand new article up by Steve Ballou talking about the early camaraderie that Zach Wilson is building with his teammates and how it may pay dividends down the line. So check that out and everything else we have up there. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like A Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo.